Hey everyone, and welcome to Trust Bites, a Knowledge Center podcast bringing you educational material in a fun and easy format. I'm your host, Andrew Zulsdorf, e-learning developer and coordinator here at the Knowledge Center. In today's episode, we are joined by Sue Sermont, clinical educator. Today, we're going to talk about the hospice Medicare benefit and levels of care. So let's get into it. Before we jump into the topic, let's welcome Sue. Thank you for being here with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So today we are doing a review of this topic so everyone knows what the benefit is, how it works, and what the levels of care are. Okay. We know that most staff know this information, but we feel it's beneficial to talk to all staff about it. That's a good point. Thank you. Okay. All right, let's start off with an easy question. (laughs) Okay. What is Medicare? So Medicare is the National Health Insurance Program in the United States. It began in 1966 under the Social Security Administration and now is administered by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS. It primarily provides health insurance for Americans age 65 and older, but also for some younger people with disability status as determined by the Social Security Administration. They must be a U.S. citizen or lawfully present, which means that a person is in the United States legally. This includes non-U.S. citizens who have permission to live and work in the U.S. How do we know if we qualify for hospice care under Medicare? In order to qualify for hospice care, the person must first be qualified for Medicare Part A, um, which is the hospital insurance, and choose a Medicare-certified hospice agency from which to receive care. They must be deemed terminally ill by their hospice and attending physician. If the patient does not have an attending, the hospice physician can fulfill that role. And terminally ill is defined as having a life expectancy of six months or less if the illness runs its expected course, correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, perfect. Are there more requirements? Yes. The patient must also sign a statement choosing hospice care instead of other Medicare-covered treatments for their terminal illness and related conditions. They do have the right to change their mind and receive treatments if they want. After a patient has elected hospice, they and the family will work with that hospice provider to set up a plan of care that meets their needs. So the hospice team works with the patient and family. It's not just the hospice team doing all of it? That's right. The patient and family are the center of all the activity, and the interdisciplinary group provides um, collaboration to achieve the goals of their plan of care. There are four mandatory group members that must communicate with each other while providing care to the patient and family. And these are the physician, the nurse, the social worker, and chaplain. These core team members must meet every 15 days to review the patient's plan of care, our IDT. Um, The patient and family are an integral part of the goal setting and the plan of care. The term family is defined as anyone who is important to the patient or family. And the hospice benefit allows the patient and their family to stay together in the comfort of their home unless they need care in an inpatient facility. Okay. Well, that's cool. What is covered under the hospice Medicare benefit and when does coverage start for the patient? Well, once a patient elects hospice, the hospice benefit starts. Medicare will cover everything needed related to their terminal illness as long as the care is provided by a Medicare-approved hospice provider. Hospice care is usually provided in the patient's home, but it also can be provided in a hospice inpatient facility. Depending on the terminal status and related conditions, the plan of care created by the hospice team can include physician services, nursing care, 
DME, which is the medical equipment and supplies, Mm -hmm. prescriptions, CNA services, social work services, grief and loss counseling for both the patient and their family, short-term inpatient and respite care, and any other Medicare-covered services needed to manage their terminal illness and related conditions as recommended by the hospice team. That's a lot of stuff covered. Mm. Is there anything not covered by the Medicare benefit? Um, There are a few things that hospice Medicare benefit won't cover. Those include items such as treatments intended to cure the terminal illness or related conditions, um, prescriptions that aren't related to the terminal illness or related um, conditions, care from a provider that wasn't set up um, by the hospice team, um, room and board, um, unless the hospice team determines the patient needs a short-term inpatient or respite care services. Um, there can also be a small copay for um, that. Or care at a hospital that's re- re- unrelated to the hospice, terminal illness, or related condition. Okay. You mentioned earlier that the patient must have a diagnosis of six months or less. But what happens if the patient lives longer than six months? Do they have to leave hospice? Hospice care is for people with a life expectancy of six months or less if it runs its normal course. But if the patient lives longer than six months, they can still get hospice care as long as the hospice medical director or other hospice doctor recertifies that they're terminally ill. So they could be on services for years? Theoretically, yes. However, hospice care is given in benefit periods. Patients get hospice care for two 90-day benefit periods, followed by an unlimited number of 60-day benefit periods. A benefit period starts the day they begin to get the hospice care, and it ends when the 90-day or 60-day benefit period ends. At the start of the 90-day benefit period, the hospice doctor and regular doctor must certify that they're terminally ill with a life expectancy of six months or less. If a patient's health improves or the condition goes into remission, they may no longer need hospice care. Okay. What if the patient decides they want to start treatment again because they're starting to get better. Patients always have the right to stop hospice care at any time. If they choose to stop the hospice care, the hospice provider will ask them to sign a form that includes the date the care will end. This is called the revocation, but only the patient can revoke hospice. Oh, that's good to know. That's a lot of great information. Thank you. Now, you mentioned respite and inpatient care, but are there other levels of care? Yes, there are actually four levels of care. Routine home care, continuous home care or crisis care, inpatient respite care, and general inpatient care. A patient must be provided the level of care that's able to meet their needs according to the stage in their illness. All right. Can you tell us a little bit about each level of care? Sure. Let's start with routine home care. Routine home care is a level of care that the majority of patients receive. The patient's generally doing okay and the patient's symptoms Um, like pain or nausea and vomiting, are adequately controlled. Okay. Now, when you say home, does that mean they have to live in a house or an apartment or something like that? No, we refer to their home as wherever they reside. So home could be a house, an apartment, assisted living, skilled nursing facility, or a park for that matter. Oh, well, that's good to know. So what's next? Um, Next is continuous home care or crisis care. For continuous or crisis care, the patient must be in a crisis which means an uncontrolled medical symptom that cannot be managed by intermittent visits with the goal of trying to keep the patient at home. Nursing care must make up the majority of hours of the attending staff at a minimum of eight hours daily. The process of actively dying isn't necessarily a reason for continuous care unless the patient needs a nurse for one-on-one symptom management. 
Okay. So you said that actively dying is not necessarily necessarily a reason for crisis care. Sorry. What are some examples of symptoms that might be a reason? Well, examples include symptoms requiring multiple medication management, um, uncontrolled pain, respiratory distress, or agitation. Okay. What if the family or caregiver needs a break or they're going out of town? Is there a level of care that might help with that? Yep, absolutely. Respite care is offered when the family needs a rest from their caregiving role or perhaps goes out of town. We care for the patient in one of our um, care units or can transfer them to a skilled nursing facility where we go and check on them. Uh, Respite care is an underutilized part of care, yet it's often um, an oasis um, for the family's journey that can really give them the needed break to be able to keep doing all the work that they need to do. Oh, that sounds very helpful. Yeah, it really can be. Caregiving for patients at end of life is exhausting. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, Well, that's three of the levels of care, but you said there are four. What's left? So last but not least is the um, level of care is the general inpatient care. So general inpatient care is defined as short-term symptom management that cannot be controlled in other settings. The patient's transferred to a care center where they receive 24-hour nursing care until their symptoms are managed. The goal is to manage the patient's symptoms so they can go home and return to routine level of care. All right, so I'm going to ask you a a question. What's the difference between general inpatient care and continuous home care? So continuous home care would be in the patient's home. Okay. um, Where general inpatient care is going to be at one of our facilities. Okay, so they're similar, but the difference is the location of the It's the location and the fact that the patient at home is getting one-on-one care. So when the patients are in our inpatient units, it can be a nursing care of four you know four patients to one nurse six patients to one nurse but when they're at home it is truly one-on-one care so crisis care is the highest level of care as far as reimbursement goes okay well that was a lot of great information thank you for sharing that with us today and we really appreciate it i know i threw a lot of questions at you yeah you're so welcome (laughs) it's always fun to be here happy to answer questions and um Yeah, let me know if you have anything else. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. You guys have a great day. Thanks. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Trust Bites. Another big thank you to Sue for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed learning about the hospice Medicare benefit and levels of care. Don't forget to submit your topic ideas to educationrequest at trustbridge.com. Thank you for being with us.